Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, how are, hey, hey. How are, you, how are you doing today? Uh, man, I got two Bowie knives and I am ready to avenge my fallen sibling, so I am ready to go. Oh, 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 you're, you're, oh, you're pretending to, you're pretending that you, in fact, are uh, Jimmy Proudstar. Maybe I should have said that I'm both special and double-sized. Uh, See? Now as... there, that's a good bit. <laughs> this episode will be regular-sized because, um, listen. It's just a regular episode. We've only got so much time. Guys, there's a it's lot of comics. We can't read them all. No. But if you can't tell, who are we talking about this week, Zach? Uh, Jim, if people Jim, haven't figured Jim, it out Jim, already. Jimmy Proudstar. We just said, we said Jimmy. Did we say Jimmy? Okay. I said the Thunderbird. Jimmy? The Warpath? Jimmy the Thunderbird. The Warpath. He's on a warpath. I think, honestly, I think that's all of his names. James, he sometimes goes <laughs> by James when he wants to be uh, more formal. I feel like we've talked a lot about him recently. You know, he came I up like on the Hellions him. episode. Uh, he was he was on our X-Force episode recently. And here how we tall have do you think episode. Thunderbird is officially? Do you know how tall Thunderbird is? Uh, seven feet. Seven two. Yeah. Seven yeah, two, sounds right. 350 pounds. Jesus Christmas. That's a big guy. He's a big He's fella. an absolute unit. <laughs> Who, why rules. are we talking about this unit this week? Who requested this? Oh, because Ryan Rome, Patreon supporter, uh, did say, folks, I would love you to talk about this one issue of X-Men. And we said, hey, that issue stars Thunderbird 2, not Thunderbird mm-hmm. 3, who's the worst. Or Thunderbird not 1. Neil. Thunderbird 1, I don't want to call the worst. I understand why he was the one that died. Like... Well, he's getting a second chance, you know. I'm actually so we'll super excited for what Steve Orlando and Nyla Rose are going to be doing in that in that giant size issue, and then specifically what happens after that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that he's got a very unique look. I'm excited to see what happens when John comes back because yeah. he has. He's been the one that hasn't come back. Like that's, that's right. the thing. He's been the <laughs> one, and that's the promise of Krakoa is that everybody is back everybody mm-hmm. can come back that's right so we can stop mourning him after uh, however many decades um it was we 1975 are starting... buddy it's been nearly 50 years so we're gonna start with the gala 100th anniversary wait that doesn't sound right 100th anniversary uh it's, issue it's... of the all new all different x-men but they do this on covers sometimes they say that it's been 100 issues but they say 100th anniversary okay but this is this is claremont's 100th issue right 100th sequential issue of uncanny x-men that's what they're yeah they they just need a comma there you know what i mean gala 100th comma they're saying they're saying folks since the time you started caring about (laughs) x-men it's been 100 it's been 100 since then uh so this is chris claremont john romina jr with dan green tommy Ors, glennis oliver and uh you know this issue it starts with uh warpath kicking banshee in the face (laughs) yeah he kidnaps banshee and then he finds 
uh, Banshee kidnaps him and hides him in uh, Cheyenne Mountain. That's uh, the location of Valhalla base. Yes. You remember Nuclear that? Nuclear base. You remember that NORAD, uh, NORAD base uh, from that time that Count Nefaria and his anti-men tried to take it over? That's right. We got a call back to, uh, to the, you know, that original Uncanny story. Uh, so... <sighs> Yeah, you know, of course, did, the X-Men we? have to go rescue him. Now, this is a weird time for the X-Men. Professor X has just almost been killed, wakes up. Yeah, let's, 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 <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about the start of this issue, Adam. <laughs> so after Banshee gets clocked in the in the face with uh, Warpath's foot, Professor X wakes up in bondage gear uh, after having yep. been, well, first he's almost beat to death right in the Um, last issue before this he is almost beaten to death by some street youths right so the morlocks have rescued him uh the healer has used his substantial powers to bring xavier back but xavier the healer does a heal it's it's not 100 percent, as we'll find out by the time we get to uh uncanny 200 he only cast cura instead of curaga which is (laughs) a real that's a rookie move, Healer. I know you're getting better uh, now that you're uh, on Krakoa, but boy, you really should have should have helped out all Charlie X there. Well, I mean, one way they helped him apparently is just by draping him in leather straps with spikes on them. I mean, he's got a headband, he's got multiple wristbands, multiple. He's got a, a harness, he's got earrings. Like this is a look, man. So I'm not a member of the BDSM community, just not my not my specific flavor. But my understanding is that that outfit with all of the buckles and the straps would be an extensive amount of work to put on, especially onto an unconscious old man. <laughs> so I don't know what Callisto's doing, except for doing a very weird bit. I feel like she's just messing with him because the second he That's realizes... That's so much work to do, though! <laughs> The second he realizes not... what's going on, he takes it all off. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's like, "Why are you? Why am I in bot? Great, funny joke, Christopher Claremont. Funny joke." Now, this is Man. the first time. What that if? Ex- what if Ramita? What? If, I don't think that this is what happened. But what if Ramita just turned in the pages as a bit and said, "Hey, Chris, <laughs> we all know. We all know what you're doing. Just, it's fine. But we are going to do this because I don't have time to redraw these. That's pages. really funny. I don't know. I wish he did." That'd be great. You have John. You have John's email. We should ask him. We, hey, we really hey do need to have him on the show. So, John, um, what was up with that? John, <laughs> you gave you gave me your email address five years ago at New York Comic Con. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm cashing in my marker. I mean, there's some other weird stuff happening here. Like the train has a face on the front of it. Like it has little cartoon eyeballs. Like John, what are you doing? <laughs> well, it's the Morlocks train. They just they just like it. It's fun. Yeah. It's so, a fun and funny train they own. So Professor X gets introduced to the Morlocks. He's never been down there before. Um, we also He's have... They're like, oh no, there's so many of them. Yeah. I have done such a bad job building a community of mutants. <laughs> I screwed up. up. They, have, they have a tunnel right into my backyard. How did I miss them? Uh, Callisto is delightful here. Back Callisto with, is great. With Warpath, uh, we also get uh, an interesting cameo here who we talked about a couple episodes ago. We get Firestar. This is actually Firestar's first appearance. Right? Crazy. Kind of indicates like some of the plot points of the Firestar mini here, but uh, she's being controlled by Empath pretty heavily here. Who else Empath is Empath at his roulette. 
it's Empath, Roulette, and Firestar. Yep. Who, Empath's like, hey, Thunderbird, heard you're going to start some crap. I'm in. I'm, I'm a bad guy. <laughs> I'll tag I'm along. A, I'm a jerk. Him, Roulette, who may, who he's possessing to, no, he's not even possessing her. Because she says, yeah, if he pulled that crap with me, I'd, I'd make him lose it. He yeah. knows better. Yeah, Roulette's on, on uh, she's, she's free. She's just evil. And good for her. <laughs> We're supporting women's wrongs these days. Um, back to Xavier's costume for a second. I forgot to mention that there's a great danger room sequence at the beginning of this, but Charles Xavier appears out of the tunnel, the Morlock tunnel with Callisto. And Sam, who had previously been chastised by Professor X in the New Mutants Annual number one for wearing punk Steal clothing, this planet. gets his revenge. And it's really funny <laughs> that they all just he laugh. Gives- he gives Professor X so much crap about it. Because he is, at this point, Professor X is essentially wearing the exact same thing that uh, Sam wore in Steal This Planet, which is delightful. It is fantastic. What's odd about this is Nightcrawler is ostensibly the team leader right now because mm-hmm. Cyclops is gone. Right. Trying to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Storm has lost her powers, and she's like, I need to do a walkabout. Right. Like, she's John Locke from the from the hit TV show Lost. <laughs> so who's going to lead the team? Is it Wolverine? No, he's bad at right. leadership. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to do it, which is probably the bigger thing. <laughs> Wolverine does not want this cup. Uh, Colossus, who's a child. Rogue in Rachel Summers, no. Or Kitty Pride, who is, again, 14 <laughs> years old. So it's Nightcrawler. He has a lot of doubt about his leadership ability, and rightly so. Yeah, he's not great at it. Um, just, we, just love you, Kurt. Not your forte. No. And we also have Professor X backseat driving the mission from uh, the Blackbird um, when they arrive. And things just don't go well. Like, <laughs> things do not go well. Rachel is having, like, uh, panic PTSD panic attacks. They asked her to hunt a mutant. Yeah. Uh, so she did it. They didn't know. It's a learning experience for everybody. Did have a bad time with that one. Rachel does not care for that. Yeah. Uh, Kitty does manage to rescue Banshee, which is good. But uh, Wolverine does have to, like, fight James Proudstar um, in a pretty good sequence. Like, you know, we get another one of these, like, really nice action sequences from JRJR. Where they're just kind of kneeing each other in a face. It's kind of cool. Ramita Ramita's so good in this. Yeah. Ramita is so good. I was I'm I'm currently in the middle of writing a article on a different comic that John Ramita Jr. has written or drawn. And all I can think about is, man, like this era, 80s Ramita, so freaking good. Yeah. I I don't want to see him drawing the amazing Spider-Man monthly comic at in 2022. I do love 1985 John Romita Jr. though. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. It's wild stuff. that he's drawing Spider-Man again it, 40 years later, right? It, it is wild, especially after doing the DC run. Uh so very interested to see what that looks like. Um so far I've I've liked the promo art, you know, that he's been putting out mm. lately, but um you know, I I think for some people he's a bridge too far at this point. Uh, here though we're we're in uh, in prime JRJR land and uh, we've got sec bots uh, the kind of they look like you know your standard issue Marvel robots they look um, like mandroids they do that's who what I was thinking about they they look like those mandroids and uh, you know like there's some 
there's some stuff happening here. Wolverine threatens empath, so he passes out. Uh, Colossus there's... doesn't want to hurt Firestar because he realizes if he does, he could kill her. What I what I love about this is what happens is essentially what you got is Jimmy Proudstar, who's an angry young man. All all it is he is he is a guy who is mad about his role model, his brother dying mm-hmm. in the service of the X-Men who he doesn't know what that is or why that matters. He knows that his brother died and he loves his brother and his brother was his hero. So losing his brother was a big deal to him. So he eventually, he, he pins the uh, blame on professor X gets him in the blackbird and is holding a knife above him. And there's a very legitimate heart to heart about the nature of revenge. And is this going to fulfill him? And, you know, did did John Proudstar die for any reason, or is death just a thing that happens? It's a fantastic and scene. It, Ramita kills it. Claremont shows restraint. It's he, Claremont lets the art tell the story in a big way, with which I think some of our favorite Claremont sequences. I'm thinking like some of the Paul Smith stuff uh, from like that fight with Callisto and Storm, or the uh, or the fight with Wolverine and Shen. Uh, Shenzhen in uh, the Wolverine mini mm-hmm. with Frank Miller, like where Claremont knows who he's working with and can pull back like he does here. It's stunning. It's one of my favorite sequences in all of Claremont's run. I think this issue in general is a little uneven. Like I think most of the stuff at uh, at the Valhalla base is doesn't need to be there like it's it's drawn out it's, and it's it's done specifically because it needs to be this double size issue you know the content of the story does not need to be this long um but uh you know he's trying to to flesh it out so that it's this extra jam-packed issue we also even get this epilogue at the end that's leading into what happens with nimrod um which is really funny i think <laughs> It's really... F- okay, the Nimrod stuff... Hold on. The Nimrod stuff rules because you got Jamie Rodriguez yep. who is who is a construction worker that found Nimrod and is now his best friend. And he's... And Nimrod's living in his house and there's an anti-mutant thing and Jamie gives his like cousin or his brother some crap about it. He's like, you're gonna be... Listen, what, what did mutants ever do to you? It's fine. Don't be racist. Anyway, I want to go check on my best friend Nimrod and see how he's doing. <laughs> Nimrod's sitting there, playing on his computer terminal, looking up how to murder mutants. And it's Nimrod looks incredibly. Nimrod funny. looks absolutely insane on this page. He just looks because like it's this. Nimrod, but he's being a dude. Yeah. And just knowing, knowing the post House of X, Nimrod. Mm-hmm. It's these eighty stories are even sillier. It is. Like, it's, it's really wild. Um, I think altogether, though, this is a really fun, uh, great character study with Warpath. Um, might be a little bloated, but at the same time, I think it does what it sets out to do. So we should probably rank I this on our I think the good outweighs list. the bad here. Yeah, yeah that's I would agree. The, that's the thing for me. Uh, we do have a big old list. There are 609 X-Men stories on this big old list uh, with the best, ranked from best to worst, as you will rank things. Um the best is House of X, Powers of Ten. Uh, the number 100th story on our list is Everything is Sinister from Uncanny X-Men Volume 2, 1 through 3. Number 200 on our list is New X-Men 20 to 27, Childhood's End slash Crusade. 
Number 300 on our list is X-Men 31 and 32 Soul Possessions. Number 400 on our list is A plus X 13 through 18 Captain America plus Cyclops. Number 500 on our list is X-Men the Movie Special number 1 from Wizards of the Coast Trading Card Company. Number 600 on our list is New Mutants Forever, and the Draco's the worst X-Men story of all time at 609. Always is. Yeah. I, I know this is in the top 200. Yeah, I was I'm just looking to see like uh, where we're at. So at 150, we have Uncanny 143, which is Demon. Is that a stronger issue than this? Yes, I think Demon's better. Okay. Uh, but I, I think I think Demon Demon works all the way through. Mm-hmm. Where this one has some ups and downs. And the highs are very high. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think we are above 200, which is New X-Men 20 to 27, Childhood's End, Childhood's I think Crusade. we're above 155 is the Leprechauns of Cassidy Keep, and this is better than that. I would agree. Okay, that gives us a, kind of a small window. And 154 is Fall of the Mutants. I would think Fall of the Mutants is better than this. Okay, then let's put it right there. All right, great. I think I think you're spot on. We got it. Yeah. So this is going to be our new 155. And we're going to go to a weird one next. This is an odd little thing. Yeah. Uh, this is the first one of these we've covered, which I think is interesting because I feel like we would have five years in ran into this before because we like dumb stuff. This is from X-Force Volume 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from 1997. It's called The Brothers Proud Star. Uh, it's X-Force minus one? Yeah, which is just an interesting concept in and of itself. And especially because this came out, like, what, in the X-Force, like, in the 60 issue mark? or Yeah, somewhere around there. Between 67 and 68. Yeah. Um, also interesting, there is no X-Force zero, which was, like, you know, obviously a big 90s thing was to do a zero issue. But there's... Weren't there... Well, like, zeros and one-halves were mid-ish 90s weren't they they weren't they weren't like 92 ish no no well like, i guess they would be they would be like 93 94 because it would have been like an image and valiant thing sure yeah zeros were big uh with like the image comics and then wizard magazine really popularized the half issue the half right yeah so now we get these negative one <laughs> issues uh which are all billed as flashbacks right these are all things that happened before whatever the run of the book was and um, this Did one... these count as the annual for the year? No, because there's 97 annuals. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. It's effectively an annual. Yeah. But this maintains the creative team of the time, correct? This is... Um... Yeah, this is John Francis Moore and Adam Polina. Yeah. Who's a pretty good creative team. Wait, was this just... Hold on. I want to look at cover dates. Yeah, they just they just plopped this in between a couple of issues. Like, just... It was that issue for the month. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um... And this, this is right before we get into the James Proud Star stuff with Strife, right? Is yeah, that... this is this is the prelude to the road trip era, essentially. Right. So it's still more in Polina, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, effectively it's during the time of Onslaught. Yeah. These are weird because it opens up with a bit that Chris Bachelot did in Generation X, which is in all of these flashbacks, which is Stan Lee as a chibi guy. Very weird. Uh, talking, talking directly to the audience. Yep. Can I just say I hate it? <laughs> just I didn't like it when Chris did it. I do not like it here either. I think it's the kind of joke that if it happens once, it's fine. Mm. When it happens as a publishing initiative, 
uh, not great. Well, a little strange, right? Little strange. Hey, do you know what the weird thing that you figure out in this is? Uh, well, there's a lot of strange things in here. So, uh, which there's one a lot you... of strange things. <laughs> Here's the one, one that I think is weird. Well, yeah. you know about the first. You know about the first Thunderbird, uh, John Proudstar. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know about the second Thunderbird, James Proudstar. Yeah, that's true. And you know about the third Thunderbird, Neil, Neil Shara. Shara. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's also a Neil Proudstar, and that's their dad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, not what a weird choice. <laughs> Just a weird, weird thing. I don't have a good. I don't have it. There's nothing to it. It obviously was just a coincidence. But if I had a nickel every time there was a Thunderbird related person named Neil, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot. But it's weird that it happened twice. You've got to wonder if Chris Claremont ever read this issue. Uh, doubting he did. I would put several hundred dollars on the fact that he absolutely did not. <laughs> so well. 97 was Claremont like mm. editorial he no, might he have didn't been become in... like the editorial guy until 8 98 yeah yeah I think we were before that here yeah he he comes back in 98 that's right yeah so Jimmy's a kid Jimmy's uh, a kid John is coming back as a Vietnam vet yeah he was John Proudstar was in the Marines based on this so I guess timeline wise well let's see if this is 97. Jimmy's probably, let's call it 20 years before. I mean, roughly. That's, it, no, it's only like 15. So they're saying 1980. Okay, they're just assuming, they're just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Even even by this time, uh, John Proudstar being a Vietnam vet doesn't really work. No. But it's fine. Let's just go with it. <laughs> it's just where it's, it's at. I mean, we also. It is important to his character. That yeah. he wanted to be, he, he had these ideas of I'm going to be an Apache warrior. Mm-hmm. And that was important to him. And it, it's important to him in his death in those in those issues. But also he comes back from war. And a war that I think for a lot of people in America highlighted the uselessness and the worthlessness of war. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because also... He doesn't, he doesn't feel like a hero. No, and it's it's unclear though. We also get an indication that uh, Neil worked for Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, um, he was all he was also in the army. Yeah, uh, Neil was, but their uh, their grandfather. He's like, why in the world would an Apache want to be a soldier for the U.S. government? It's a great question. Look at look at what they did to us. Yeah, which is. Not something I honestly expected in a 1997 comic. John Francis Moore's X-Force is actually underrated, folks. Yeah, it's got some good stuff in it. Um, it's got some good stuff in it. So, Like, I think it's uneven, but, like, mm, they should collect this. It's got some interesting stuff. It. It's got a lot of good stuff. So, John uh, has discovered that his mother is has been diagnosed with some kind of uh, cancer. Um the result of that is that apparently she doesn't. Um, there's just been what medical research done on this tribe as part of werewolf research. Is that am I getting that right? Yeah. Okay. Edward Mar- <laughs> Martinek is doing werewolf research, which is a, apparently a thriving field. Yeah. It's goofy. It's not like that's the thing though. Like doing medical research on marginalized communities that is unethical is not actually. A far out thing. That's a real thing that happened. It's it's in the very X Men way where they talked about AIDS, like they with the legacy virus, right? 
This is them trying to do that. It's just goofy because it's werewolves. <laughs> but like if you if you dig a little bit, like you can see exactly what Moore is trying to highlight and do, which is not something I would expect in a comic of this time. Yeah, well, especially with a, a gimmicky uh, book like this. The right. and the whole book is about undercover because what's happening is they're diagnosing these people with cancer so that they get chemotherapy and then the radiation kills them right. because they don't have cancer. Yep. They're just getting radiated to death, yeah. which is horrific. Mm-hmm. That's not one one bit removed from her. That's just like, oh my gosh, you guys are monsters. Yeah, I mean, in then this also case, the they literalize the monster. Um, yeah. Speaking of monsters, uh, we also get to see Boom Boom's dad, his wife, I guess, uh, before they split up, and a very young... Yeah, it's, his, yeah, it's his, her mom as well. Yep, yep, and uh, a, a very young Boom Boom. Um, it's a, there's it's a, a quick there's cameo. Circus in, there's a circus in town. She goes to visit, and it's the same circus that Thunderbird and well, really just Jimmy and John are at. Uh, he, John understands that he's been gone for a little bit and wants to help out with their mom's cancer and make sure that Jimmy has a decent life. Mm-hmm. He feels a lot of responsibility to his brother. Absolutely. Uh, this also leads to the most bizarre thing that happens in this book, which is a cameo of Destiny and Mystique, who apparently work for the circus. What did you think of that one? Well, okay, so... I'm, I'm going to throw a, uh, a flashback to a previous episode. You know that the circus is run by uh, Manyard Tybalt, the ringmaster of the Circus of Crime? Oh, I missed that detail. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a crime circus. Great. So it makes sense that, like, you can see maybe... Maybe Destiny and Mystique decided to be like, let's be petty thieves in a circus for a little bit. You're a fortune teller. <laughs> I don't know why they thought that they needed Destiny to actually like do fortune telling because she can see the future anyway. Like if they wanted money, they could have figured something out it, regardless. It seems very strange. Uh, it's a very it's weird. odd cameo. She sees, she sees John Proudstar's future exploding on an airplane and she's like, oh, I'm not going to tell this seven-year-old nope. boy that his brother's going to die it. very not violently. Not going to do it. Uh, the art is very Polina-y. Uh, it's kind of a cartoon. Oh, do you like look. Adam Polina? I'm very curious. Hot and I cold. Can see... Hot and cold. Depends on the, depends on the issue. Depends on the illustration. I, I obviously, guys got talent, and uh, I, like Polina a lot. I think for this particular story, the the art works really well because especially because he's drawing, uh, you know, Jimmy as a kid, and it's this family story. I, I think it works really well. I do too. This is this is not perfect. No. It's kind of like, if you haven't read this, this is probably the most John Proudstar gets in, I'm about to say, ever. Uh, it's possible. I mean, it really does develop. He doesn't get that much in Chaos War, so. No, it, it, it develops his character um, and the family of the Proudstars in ways that you really didn't get um, at any point during the rest of the X-Force run. So, um, and clearly New Mutants. So, you know, up until this point, I think this is the most you get. And it's not bad. I don't think... I think it's it's still goofy enough with the uh, the werewolf thing that it, it's just... I don't know. That part... It does... It, it's reaching... Yeah. It's reaching for something that it can't quite grasp. Mm-hmm. But I will... I will always like a comic that tries mm-hmm. more than a comic that just gives me what I already know I like. Yeah. Uh, we should probably try and rank this thing. Um, I 
think let's see down at is this a 200s book at, at uh two at 300 we have necrotia which is the, the new mutants part of necrotia yeah I, th- I like this better than the new mutants part of necrotia personally okay all right um, i like this better than 296's x-men black mojo number yep. one i don't think i like this more than wolverine noir at 290 well i like this better than the quentin choir arc of the of the percy x-force so let's put it between those all right it's a great spot for it so that's going to be our new 291 it is hey speaking of percy x-force this is related to the interview we did with him a while back Mm -hmm. you remember how he was releasing uh some books Mm -hmm. anyway i read them pretty good i bet i've become a book guy in this year i've read I've read six books this year, Adam. Wow. You know how insane that is for me? That, I've read six novels this year. That's fantastic. It's only uh, February, so and congratulations. Only two of them were by Benjamin Percy. <laughs> uh, I do have to say, I am uh, every every time a new issue comes out, I just continue to love X Lives and Deaths even more. So I'm it's like, excited to see where that goes. Here's the thing. I don't think X, X Lives and X... Ten lives and X deaths, excuse me. I don't think ten lives and X deaths are the best thing to come out. But, like, if this is just, like, the baseline, okay, X-Men comic these days, folks. It's pretty great. Folks. <laughs> if this is our baseline. We're doing pretty good, right? I, I think this show, and what I love about this show, is that it allows you and me to remember the bad times mm-hmm. so that we can savor the good even more. And, yeah. Brother, we've got... We've got one of the bad times coming up. Oh, we sure do. We sure do. We got some Salaroka coming up. Uh, <laughs> this is Uncanny X-Men 487 to 491 Extremists. Yeah, um, this is Salvador Laroca and Ed Brubaker. Mm-hmm. And we were talking we were talking off off air. Ed Brubaker is arguably the best author in general to do the worst work on X-Men. Yeah, this ain't good. It is bad. It's like it's like Brubaker, Brian K. Vaughn. It's not a not a great uh just something about X-Men doesn't work with him. And that actually makes sense if you read anything that Ed Brubaker does. <laughs> uh I just I just remembered that I have a humble bundle with all of the uh Ed Brubaker crime stuff. Oh. And I'm sitting here like, I got a vacation coming up. Maybe you I go. Uh, You're sad. Maybe I get some dad comics, some <laughs> real dad comics, and be like, This is what I'm reading. It's sad dads all the time doing crime. <laughs> uh, no one does. There's no sad dads in this one. No, we do have Warpath uh, slowly developing a relationship with Hepzibah, uh, which is an interesting development. Uh, this happens. It goes nowhere. It's such a weird. I don't get it. You, you read. You read recently. You read Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire. I did. You know Hepzibah's longtime boy toy just got murdered in front of her sure do doesn't ha- and, and one of the subplots is that, that she has yet to even talk to cyclops about it um and yet she's already uh jumping on, on jimmy <laughs> what a wild what a wild choice very strange. doesn't make sense ed brubaker is zero for two on uh romantic relationships in his run yeah. on x-men um but the overarching plot here is absolutely bizarre and equally terrible um, involves Mask of the Morlocks leading a small group who includes some fun characters like Litterbox, 
litter box. Litter bug. <laughs> I can't believe litter box litter is a different Morlock that did die in the mutant massacre. <laughs> it has yet to be rec- resurrected on in Krakoa for everyone's benefit. Litter bug, uh, leech, and who else is there? Skids and erg. Oh, and yeah. um, what's the one who like has the thing that comes out of her mouth? Um, Bliss. Thank you. Yeah, Bliss. Bliss, who is still wearing Jean Grey's training costume. Very from strange. The one time, it's what it's beautiful because what happened is at some point somebody asked for reference of Bliss, mm-hmm. and that was the only reference they had. So they just drew her in Jean Grey's costume without any context for the story. <laughs> so the next person who got reference got that like newer reference and it just cycled on and on and on there it is there it is so they are following uh some sort of morlock prophecy there was a morlock named qwerty q w e r t y and uh i guess that why would morlocks know computers no idea it doesn't make a dang bit of sense it also doesn't really make sense what the prophecy is foretelling i something to do with magneto's return hey hey why didn't if they were doing prophecies about things why not use the destiny diaries that are a big plot point in the other ongoing x-men story coming out at this exact same time tying into endangered species and were you even talking to mike carey (laughs) it's a great question uh it's very stupid as a as a motivator for our characters um mask why are the morlocks like super religious this doesn't even fall in with previous morlock religions retcons no there's nothing about the ceremony of light in here. It, do you think? Do you think Ed Brubaker knows about the ceremony of light? Doubtful. Do you think he knows about the hill? <laughs> I, I'm not really clear on what he gets because the the voices are all weird. Skids turns out to be working for Shield for some reason. What a weird choice for Skids to be a Shield agent. Very odd, right? Uh, Salvador Larocca is tracing. But Evangelion. she's not even just a regular Shield agent. She's a double agent also working for Magneto in a plot point that is. Never brought up again. No, no. Magneto is sneaking around town in a purple fedora and a purple overcoat, which is not the best disguise, buddy, when your name is Magneto. And doing nothing. Again, I know Ed Ruvaker is a credited writer on the follow-up story to this Messiah Complex. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get touched. Doesn't come up. <laughs> very strange, right? Salvador LaRocca doing some very strange things here. Um tracing evangelion it looks like to represent the <laughs> one sentinels which is just yeah what are you doing yeah. buddy no here's the thing i can understand the appeal of being like oh let's uh let's use eva unit one uh as our big robot i also don't think you should use one of the most well-known designs for big robot to be your big robot <laughs> no especially when sentinels pretty Pretty iconic design for Big Robot also. Exactly. And will appear in just about every other book that involves the mansion because the ONE Sentinels are standing around there constantly. So it makes no sense. Um, one thing I did, I'll, I'll give it credit, I did get a, a big emotional pull with what happens to Caliban, um, who is reduced back to his sort of like scrawny original status um just in time for him to be murdered very soon yeah afterwards. which is unfortunate but um you know you gotta I, I i do feel for the guy um and i like that caliban and jimmy have a moment to reaffirm that they're bros that too right that's what that's what i like about this is they're like caliban my dude what's up we were on the purple era together <laughs> yeah 
yeah it, it that is a, a nice moment um we get uh some fantastic four cameos here which don't really add up to much i guess oh because storm is now on this team because uh edward Ricker left half of his team in space and storm was i want to say not doing anything but in a very literal sense was also headlining two other books at the time uh with black panther and fantastic four this is the time when uh, Storm and Black Panther were on the Fantastic Four. I believe Dwayne McDuffie wrote that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Storm's bad. Ed Brubaker doesn't write a very good Storm. <laughs> no, it's it's it seems totally off. And really all this just gets, you know, wrapped up when they punch the Morlocks in the face. And we all move on to Messiah Complex. So none of this stuff really gets followed up again. It's such a weird... I don't understand what Ed Brubaker was doing on, on his time on the X-Men. And he's admitted that didn't know what he was doing either <laughs> they were like ed can you pitch us this big x-men thing to celebrate uh was it 30 years from giant size uh and he was like okay and they're like do you want to do a follow-up to this in uncanny x-men and he said okay <laughs> doesn't seem thrilled <laughs> i nothing about it screams ed brubaker and i'm not even I'm not even a big Ed Brubaker superhero comics fan. I've not read some of his DC stuff. Don't I know it's supposed to, the Batman stuff's supposed to be really good. I've not read it. Don't. Maybe I should. Maybe that's what I should read next. No, I don't need to read stuff next. I was going to read the Batman Cop comic where uh, it's Gotham Central. Oh, do you really want to read that? I've heard it's very good. And here's the thing: okay. ACAB, but police procedurals are great in terms of uh, fictional stories. Absolutely. Where we want to believe things. Yeah, for sure. Copaganda, I get it. I understand the appeal of copaganda. But, I mean, where this is concerned, this ain't great. Um, I think we may be down in the 500s here. What do you think? This one's bad, buddy. Yeah. It it makes me be like, there were some fun moments in Rise and Fall. (laughs) Why isn't Darwin in this? That's a great question. Great question. Darwin was just on the team. He didn't get left in space. <laughs> All right. Is this better or worse than fall, New Mutants Follow the Mutants at 484 with Bird Brain and the death of Doug? Jeez, man. Probably, wor- probably worse, but not a lot worse. Worse than Wildcats X-Men? Yes. Okay. It is. All right. It, the art's worse than Age of Dream Duck. An age undreamed of. Absolutely. Uh, Worse than Days of Future Present? Yes, I would say. Yeah. We're working our way Um, down here, folks. We are working our way. Here's the thing. At 502 is X-Men the Movie Special Number 1 by Wizards of the Coast Trading Card Company. Yeah. I believe also drawn by Salvador La Roca. (laughs) That one's pretty bad. (laughs) This is is probably better than that. Yeah. Yep. Probably worse than X Men One Half. Oh yeah, we were just saying that there we hadn't talked about any halves, but we have talked about a half. No, we've we've talked about halves. We haven't talked about minus one. Yeah, and that's the Ringo one, the Micro Ringo one, right? Yeah, that one has good art. All right, so Extremist is going to be our new five hundred and two. Yeah, definitely the worst comic uh, called Extremists uh, in X Men history. Yeah, I would agree. Not great. That's it. We're done with this episode, folks. I want to thank Ryan Rome for supporting us on Patreon. That was a fun episode, though. I like... I always forget how much I love Jimmy. I know. 
I know Vita is doing some great work. There was a great Jimmy and John scene in their latest New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want more. I want more. I think we're going to get Jimmy. It. Well, especially because Vita's writing, Vita's writing Jimmy very good in mm-hmm. the limited screen time that he is getting. Mm-hmm. And I want, I feel like he is an underserved character, but I also know that they're working with a large ensemble cast and there's a lot to get covered. So I'm very, I am, I'm not being greedy. I am enjoying the good food I get and <laughs> being left wanting more. If anybody can handle it, it's Vita. <laughs> no one can see i just like thumped my chest and be like yeah much love to vita ayala oh, we boy. gotta get vita back on the show we gotta figure that out soon we will that's that's a that's a future us problem yeah uh but for current us what problems are we facing adam or where can people see you complain about those problems online is it twitter uh folks you can always find me on twitter at arthur stacy and what do we got going on next week zach next week we are just we're just I don't know if you've heard about this Substack thing. I uh, yeah yeah I have. Well, what Grant Morrison has decided to do is <laughs> use use Substack to be a tell all uh, tell all gossip Dropping post, nuggets. and it's the it's the best thing actually. Uh, so, in honor of that, and in honor of the fact that it was already scheduled months in advance, we're talking about uh, a bunch of Grant Morrison new X Men stories that we haven't talked about yet. Very cool. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. Here's the thing. I'm going to read good comics. Mm -hmm. I've read those. They're good (laughs) ones. Folks, we're going to talk about some good comics next time. Uh, But until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!